Chapter 21 Fawcettville City Hall was a 1970s attempt to blend in with the surrounding Victorian architecture. It failed miserably. Dark stone arches repeated ad nauseum along the front of the round white building, reaching up toward a roof that would have fit in better if it had mimicked the cupolas and scrollwork of the architecture around it, instead of being angled just enough to allow the rain to roll off. It looked like an angel food cake with chocolate syrup running down the sides. Locals joked that Happy Birthday was written on the roof. It was built in those desperate years when municipal funds were tight and abandoned buildings were poisoning the downtown. When the 1920s era Ashmore Arms Hotel in the next block was near collapse and the current city hall was nearly in the same shape, a decision was made to tear both buildings down and rebuild city hall on the hotel site. The block beside it, like so many others downtown, became a parking lot. That's where I pulled in on my way to see the mayor. Things were starting to fit together with the shootings, but I still couldn't understand why someone matching Joe's description came looking for Marco. Steve Harrison knew Pete Zetkowski through his campaign. Probably some night after an evening of too many beers, they'd talked about wives and sex lives that had gotten boring or non-existent. And one of them, I don't know who, brought up the velvet rope. My first impression of the Velvet Rope was a swingers bar where folks met to pair off in separate rooms and explore each other. After seeing the basement, I was inclined to believe that it was more of a two, maybe three-woman operation. Rosario and Anna Maria met with clients in homes or hotel rooms on occasion, but more often than the basement, through appointments scheduled through Julia Mazzaros. No wonder she'd nearly jumped out of her skin when I'd appeared beside her desk. Was Julia a dominatrix as well? Did she have a collection of latex and leather clothing? It didn't matter now. Someone put a bullet in her head. But what was the connection with Joe? How did he know to come looking for Marco? I still couldn't figure that out. But I was understanding more and more why Carlotta asked me to take this case. If she didn't know exactly what Anna Maria was doing, I think she had her suspicions that something was going on between her husband and her sister. I walked into the open lobby, where a perky blonde sat at a circular desk. Hello, how can I help you? I'm here to see the mayor. She replied through a toothpaste commercial-grade smile. Certainly. His office is on the third floor. The elevators are to the back on the left. I followed her directions and found myself in front of another attractive woman guarding the door to Pete's office. Hi, is Mayor Sitkowski here? You know, I don't know where the mayor is. I haven't seen him all day. Hang on. She picked up the phone and punched a couple keys. Hey, Terry, it's Marlene. Have you seen the mayor today? Okay, thanks. She laid the phone receiver on her shoulder and punched a couple more numbers. When the other person picked up the phone, she asked the same questions. Two calls, three calls, four calls later. She hung up inside. I'm sorry. He's not here, is he? Nobody's seen him. He was supposed to meet with the city finance director to co-sign some checks and never showed up. There's no sign he was ever in his office. He always makes himself a pot of coffee when he walks in the door, and that hasn't happened. Then he's on the run. Huh. Okay, thanks. Back in the excursion, I texted Barnes that I hadn't been able to make contact with the mayor. Neither have I, Barnes texted in reply. Stay out of this, Fitz. We'll handle it. Anything on Marco? Nothing yet. Like I said, we'll handle it. I nodded as if he could see my face. God, where could that kid be? 
All the way into the office, I scoured the face of every young boy walking down the street, hoping I'd catch a glimpse of his yellow-topped hair or his battered black backpack. Mary Margaret jumped up from her desk when I came through the door, wringing her bony little hands. What happened? Is everyone okay? I've been listening to everything on the police scanner. It's not good. The secretary is dead and Rosario is wounded. I don't know if she's going to make it or not. Mm-mm. Mary Margaret shook her head sympathetically. I went looking for Marco, too. Somebody resembling Carla Pecorini's husband apparently came looking for him, according to the neighbor. That's not good. What I can't figure out is how Joe knows anything about him. Carla could have told him. She knew Marco lived with Anna Maria, and she knew you'd been appointed as guardian. But neither of them knew where his mother lived. I can't figure out how he got that information. Carla's billing address is Youngstown, right? What does that have to do with anything? But she and her sisters grew up here. And so did Mia and the mayor, right? So, half my clients are from F-Town. What if there are connections between the Pecorinis and the Zakowskis? What if Carlotta hired you to squash the truth about not just Joe, but her girlfriend's husband, too? I stopped in my tracks. Mia said she didn't know Joe, that she'd never heard the name before. And you believed her? Sometimes, Mary Margaret, you amaze me. Most days you piss me off, but days like today, you truly amaze me. She blushed to the roots of her stringy hair and grinned a big metallic smile. Let me look and see what I can find. I stayed long enough at the office to take care of the stack of paperwork Mary Margaret placed on my desk and return a few phone calls. Once this mess was over, I needed to get back to the cases that paid the rent. Background checks, straying spouses. Other situations that would take me an afternoon or two to wrap up and turn easily into billable hours. But it was hard to concentrate. I couldn't help wondering where Marco was. Was he safe? Who was following him? Where the hell could he be hiding? Marco had characterized his families as thugs and whores. Did that decrease the likelihood of him hiding with them or increase it? And if he was with them, how much danger was he in? If the FPD or I couldn't find him, where would he sleep tonight? Inside, in a bed, or somewhere on the street? My thoughts ping-ponged from Marcus to Alicia. Would she come back to me? After Connor removed his belongings from her house above town, would she still want me in her life? Then again, why would a young, vibrant professional woman want to tie herself down to an old man like me? If she moved on, I couldn't blame her. I gave up when I found myself staring at the same stack of checks for half an hour. I grabbed my coat and headed out the door. I'll come back and finish this up later. I'm headed over to Fawcettville General to see Rosario. Rosario lay with her eyes closed on the hospital bed, oxygen tubes resting beneath her nose. Her hands lay at her sides. Her right arm was heavily bandaged. The heart monitor beeped rhythmically above her. I could see a drainage tube hanging discreetly by the side of the bed, letting the blood out from Rosario's injured lung. A nurse stood at a rolling laptop beside her. How is she? Are you family? No, business associate. I was on the phone with her when she was shot. As news of her shooting spread, how many clients would show up at her bedside, I wondered. Is it bad? There was one gunshot wound to the chest and one to her arm. 
The arm looks like a defensive wound and shattered both bones. The surgeon had to wire them together. Damn. What about the chest wound? The nurse pushed the computer cart past me, stopping in the doorway. What do you know about guns? I'm an ex-cop. Ah, then you know what kind of damage a forty-five caliber bullet can do. Yeah. Uh, yes, I do. It was a through-and-through through wound. She had three ribs, front and back, shattered from the bullet, but it missed her heart and her spine. <sighs> Don't sound relieved just yet. She lost a lot of blood. You still need to pray for your friend. The nurse patted me on the shoulder and was gone. I moved closer to the bed and gently laid my hand over Rosario's unbandaged left hand. God, don't let it be my Glock that shot her. And for the sake of Steve, Julia, and Anna Maria, please let her live so we can catch the bastard that did this. By five o'clock, I'd heard nothing from anyone. Not Barnes, not Marco, and certainly not Alicia. After returning from the hospital, I slogged through the pile of shit on my desk like a robot, signing checks and work estimates, initialing bills and checking the email that had built up in my absence. I looked up when I heard Mary Margaret's chair scrape across the hardwood floor. She was slipping into her coat and closing a desk drawer with her knee. See you tomorrow, Fitz. She waved and locked the door as she walked out to her car. See you tomorrow, kid. I sank into the back of my chair and sighed. Where was this all going to end? The phone rang. I didn't want to pick it up. If Mary Margaret had shut off the phones like she was supposed to, voicemail would have picked up the call in two rings. But what if it was Marco? Fitzhugh Investigations. Fitz. Alicia, are you okay? Yeah, baby, I'm fine. Connor got all his stuff out today while I was at the office. It's over. Completely over. I know this wasn't easy for you. Thursday night was pretty awful, but it was the right thing to do. I see that now. We were both silent for a long moment. God, I need you, Alicia. I need you tonight. I need you, too. It's not that. It's Marco. He finally told me the truth. He saw who killed Anna Maria. Oh, shit. He's gone, Alicia. He's run away. No one can find him. Meet me at your place. I think I know where to look.